and when she's ready is going to speak to us which i'm really looking forward to so Anne, over to you well thank you that was a isn't it good as even it's though it's hard not being together face to face isn't it good to be able to just be together and to be together in the presence of god if you think back just a few days ago you can picture me sitting in the sunshine in the garden before the weather changed singing sound of children playing in the garden next door in their paddling pool and the bees busy on the lavender on the surface it all looked absolutely perfect but in the background i can hear another sound and it's the sound of the siren of yet another ambulance heading towards the hospital and you only need to scratch the surface a tiny bit probably in my life in the life of the neighbors probably in your lives in the lives of most people in this country and across the world you only scratch the surface a tiny bit and at the moment you find anxiety and you find a bit of fear because we are actually living in dangerous times we're living in uncertain times we're living in a time that was unimaginable a year ago for us for our nation and for our world it's, it's weird and all of us are affected. Yes, some people are a lot more affected than others, particularly those who are grieving. But for all of us, we're somehow being asked to navigate uncharted waters. That's a bit scary. And watching the news at 10 every night just underlines the scary nature of what we're actually in. So yesterday was the 6th of June, and that would have been my dad's birthday. Back in 1944, on the 6th of June, on his 18th birthday, my dad, Tom, found himself on a landing craft heading towards Omaha Beach for the D-Day landings. I think he must have had a fairly dodgy navigator on board his landing craft because Omaha Beach was the American landing beach, not the British one, but that's where they ended up. And what he and thousands of others actually saw and experienced was beyond imagining. My dad never spoke about it, um, but I watched the first 27 minutes of the film Saving Private Ryan, and that gave me just a little hint of why he never spoke about it. Because back in the 1940s, they were dangerous times. They were uncertain times. They too were times saturated with fear and anxiety. So Tom survived physically, but he was never quite the same. And for the next 70 years, he carried a deep-seated anger. He was angry with the world. He was angry with God, if there was one. And it changed him. The mental anguish of wartime and the years beyond actually skewed his perspective on life and gave him a very short fuse. My dad did his own thing. He made up his own rules and looked out for number one because that's how you survived. As a small child, I had a picture on my bedroom wall of Jesus the Good Shepherd. I've been given it at Sunday school. There was the Good Shepherd carrying on his shoulder a small, fluffy, white lamb. I'd coloured it in really carefully. I was that sort of girl. And the text, was the parable of the lost sheep from Luke 15. 
I'll read it, I'm sure you know it well. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. My favourite parable. But it took me half a century to work out that I should have coloured that lamb a bit differently. It wasn't white and fluffy. I should have made it messy and covered in briars and probably struggling. And if I picture it like that, I can see my dad in that story. Because despite him having ignored God for more than 80 years, Jesus the Good Shepherd chased after Tom. As we sang that lovely song earlier, the being chased after the lost, chasing after the 99. God chased after Tom to carry him safely home. And God left the 99 out in the open and put effort into finding Tom. He wanted to show him a different reality, a different perspective on life. Why? Because that good shepherd had died for Tom and he was gonna make sure that he knew about it. Tom developed um, vascular dementia in his eighties. It progressed rapidly and his view of the world changed again. And amazingly, he ended up quite a funny, generous, and quite a sociable old man because he forgot to be angry. He also forgot that he didn't do God. And one day he told me that he belonged to the Salvation Army. Well, I wasn't gonna tell him that he didn't, was I? <laughs> so I started taking him along. I took him along to the Salvation Army Corps in, in Carlisle. And they were just so welcoming and so kind and so lovely to this fairly strange old man that started going along. I think I want to describe them as oozing the love of God. They oozed the love of God and Tom was drawn to this and wanted to share in it. So he started to worship. He started to pray. They gave him a tie. He wanted a full uniform, but they wouldn't give him one of those. He he just met with God. It's the only way I can describe it. He started to meet with God and God met with him. And in that time, he forgot those awful things from his past. He stopped picking at the scars and he found a peace. And on his last day on this earth, he was at the Songs of Praise gathering at the Salvation Army, conducting the band in his own fashion from his wheelchair and singing, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. And later that evening he was, and he met with the Good Shepherd face to face. But it took a mighty long time for Tom to find that peace. Even though he had within his family, all three of his children and their children, all of them with their own faith, he couldn't hear his family speak of God's love. 
So God had to take the initiative. The Holy Spirit, the gift of God the Father and the God the Son to the world, began to testify to Tom in ways that actually we will never really know about or never really understand. God knew what he needed to do to make Tom listen. The tiny seeds of faith that had been dropped into his life when he was young were 60 years later watered by the Holy Spirit. It turns out that the Salvation Army band had played on a bandstand in the park near to where Tom lived when he was a very little child. On a Sunday afternoon, when they got kicked out of the house, him and his siblings, um, they'd go to the bandstand. And if it was raining, the band would let them sit on the bandstand with them in, in amongst the instruments and give them biscuits. A little seed was sown. When the landing craft got back to, the, to England, the Salvation Army had met those landing crafts and had handed out hot cups of tea and money for the train fare home. Little seeds dropped into my dad's life. And those seeds took a long time, but they began to take root and grow. And as we've just been praying, things that were dark and horrible and unimaginable turned into something beautiful. But it was in God's time. It was God's timing, not the timing that I wanted to see and others wanted to see, but it was in God's time and it became beautiful. And in this current pandemic all over the world, people will be changed. In our workplaces, in our streets, in our homes, the people we live with, people will be changed. Many will be discovering what really matters to them. In their anxiety, I guess some people will be praying to their Heavenly Father like they've never prayed before. You may have come across that already. People who don't normally pray are praying at the moment. Some will join in acts of worship online that would never have dreamed of walking through a church door. And having done that, they may find themselves wanting to know more about who this Jesus is. Some will just experience a sense of the presence of God beyond words. For the first time, maybe not even have the language to, to say what they felt or experienced. Others will draw closer to a God that they've known for decades. But they will just be more aware of his presence. But some will turn their backs on God. Some will just walk away. Some will be just overwhelmed by the whole horribleness of what's going on in their lives. But God as Father, God as Son, God as Holy Spirit on this Trinity Sunday, that God will not lose sight of a single one of them. And in his time and in his way, sometimes through the church, even through us as part of his church, but more often than not through actually unseen, unknowable ways, the Holy Spirit will chase after them. He will call them by name and off to carry them. So I guess my prayer is that each person, every single person would in time, in God's time if that's best, hear his voice, and allow themselves to be hoisted up onto his shoulders. Because from up there, 
there's a new perspective. We get the opportunity to see the world as he does and then travel on together. So I guess we've got a role to play as church here in Telford, but not to lose sight of the fact that the Holy Spirit is already testifying to people here, has been for decades, well, for as long as Telford's been around, but in those villages long before that. He's already testifying to people here, and we need to look and be willing to support people on their faith, faith journey, both now, during this weird time, and on the other side of lockdown. We need to think particularly to look for those who voice the fact that they've changed in some way. To be listening out for that sentence, to be listening out for those phrases, people saying that they feel they've changed. Whether that's changing for better or for worse doesn't really matter. It's the fact that they are in a transition time. Because transition times are often moments of heightened spiritual awareness. They're often times, transition times, when people find God. So as well as listening to those who might say they've put themselves at the camp of the one, we need to listen to the 99 as well. And that includes each other. Because we've been left out in the open for a bit when God goes chasing after the ones and we're as vulnerable as they are. We need to listen to our own voice. What's changing in us because of the current circumstances? I'm not asking you to say, I'm just asking you to think that. What's actually changing in us as individuals? And is this change something that's strengthening us or is it a change that's actually damaging us? And I guess we need to own it. If it helps to talk about it, talk about it to somebody. Talk about it to God. And to do, do with it whatever we need to do. Because change and transition um, can, be, can be enriching and life-giving. Hui Ten Boom. I guess many of you have heard of her, a Christian writer, but a survivor of the Ravensbrook concentration camp wrote these words. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Say that again. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. And I'm learning pretty slowly, but I'm learning to put worry down. And that is part of, I hope, a change, that a, a transition thing that's happening in me. So for each of us, wherever we are, whatever we're fearful of, whoever we're worrying about, may we and them know the blessing of the Heavenly Father, who actually knows it all and understands when we don't. May we know the blessing of Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd, who holds out his arms to each one of us, no matter how messed up we are. And may we know the blessing of the Holy Spirit, who we can call to be alongside us every single step of the way into this unknown that each of us is living in. Amen.